Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We gave you in our last lesson, beginning with the fourth chapter, about the Christian's walk. We talked about the character of the Christian walk, verses 1 through 16. In the first part of it, the Christian walks in unity, or preserves unity. Then the second section, we talked about the Christian walk promotes usefulness. Well, tonight, another main heading beginning with 4.17 through 5.14. Chapter 4.17 through 5.14. This is another section of what we'll be dealing with tonight. I hope we get that far. And then we'll take up another section of the the remainder of the book. But this is the Christian is to walk consistently. We're talking about the consistent walk. And that's 4.17 through 5.14. He is to walk consistently. Let's read at least the fourth chapter, verse 17 through 32, because this consistent walk in the fourth chapter, verses 17 through 32, and this is a subdivision of what we just gave you to walk consistently. This consistent walk is in separation, separation. And let's read beginning with verse 17 down through 32. It says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. That ye henceforth, that means from this time onward, as Christians, as Gentile believers, and if there were some Jewish believers in the Ephesian church, them as well, walk not as other Gentiles walk, and he's especially pointing out the other Gentiles, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard Him, and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, this means not only talk, but your whole manner of life, the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands." the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. Now then, the remainder of this section uh, under the main heading to walk consistently takes us on down to chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. But we'll have to get into that in another uh, section of our study. If we get that far, we'll read from 5 on down through verse uh, 14. All right? We want to talk about the Christian walk is to walk consistently. And notice, the first thing is we're to walk in, the consistent walk is in separation. If we're to be uh, consistent in our Christian lives, we're going to be different people than we were 
before we were saved Gentiles, if you want to put it that way. He says that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. There was a great, a lot of influence for those that were Gentile believers to come out of their old idolatrous practices and all the things that they had lived in in the past. And many new Christians found it hard to turn away from all of those things. And Paul wants to see their life consistent with that which they profess to be a Christian, to be born again, to be a child of God, and not walk as they used to walk. That you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. So, the, the Christian walk is now a new walk of life. And they were to separate themselves from the old life. The Bible tells us that they were now fellow citizens with the saints of God. The Bible says that they should come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, Be not equally yoked together with unbelievers. And so they had to break that yoke that they once had with their uh, evil companions and now be fellow citizens with the saints of God. And we are told that that's what they should do. A Christian walk is a consistent walk in righteousness. It's the outward evidence of the new birth. When you see a person professing to be a Christian and his walk is just the same as the old life, you have some questions about his profession, do you not? But if he, if you see a man that's lived a life that was apart from the Lord and he professes to be born again and you see a change in his life, this is the outward evidence that there's really something that took place and that it's made him a different person. A new creature in Christ Jesus, because the Bible says you must be born again. So there's the evidence of the new birth. And if you read in Romans chapter 1, look at verses 21 through 28. We're not going to hurry through this as we don't in any other places of our teaching. But Romans chapter 1, if you will, from verses 29 through 32. Listen carefully. There are 23 indictments. 23 indictments from verse 29 I mean, one, two, three, four verses. Twenty-three indictments. You know, God doesn't take forever to say something. If you had a man trying to put this into uh, what all is wrong, it would take probably 20 pages in some little essay or thesis to, to try to put the point over. But God says here, being filled with all unrighteousness. Now look. Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Boy, we see enough of that today, don't we? Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Consent with them that do them. Go along with them. Knowing what? The judgment of God. People say, well, I didn't know God was going to judge. They did, and they do. He says He will bring every evil work into judgment. All right, we just wanted to read that in connection with the separation, the walk of separation. The condition of the unconverted... Back to Ephesians 4 now, if you will. We'll give you other references as we go along in the lesson. But back to Ephesians 4, uh, we find that the condition of the unconverted Gentiles continued because in verse 18 it says, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 19, Who being past feeling. Look at the condition here. They were 
Their understanding was darkened. They had hardness of heart. And they were past feeling. Their conscience would not even bother them anymore about anything they did. Paul speaks of it in another place and says, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So, think of it. When a man's conscience won't bother him, he's in a bad shape. Someone said, my conscience bothered me. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that. Aren't you glad it does? If you were past feeling, it wouldn't bother you at all. And you know another attitude that comes into uh, the hearts of some people from time to time is they say, I just don't care. Don't get to the place you don't care. Things may be rough, but you know your brethren have gone through rough things too. You're not the only one that's suffered in this world. Did you know that? And how are you to handle it? How do you handle it when the devil comes along? Look in First Peter, I believe, chapter 5. Maybe I can give you something here. First Peter chapter 5. Notice what it says here. Verse 8. And most of us are familiar with verse 8, but then we want to read another verse. It says, Be sober, be vigilant. First Peter 5, verse 8. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And that's about as far as we go, isn't it? Usually that's how much you hear quoted. But look. Whom, whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. See, the same thing that's happening to you has happened to your brother. If not yet, it will. So, don't ever get too comfortable and, and set in how, easily, uh, how easy life is at the time because there may be some, some bad times coming. And you're going to have to face them just like others have faced those times before you. All of us have them. And by the way, none are exempt. None are exempt. You know, you see people going along smooth sailing so oh, everything's great. Well, just wait a while. Just wait a while. So, what we find here, back to Ephesians 4, what we're talking about now, the condition of the unconverted Gentiles that continued with an understanding darkened, hardness of heart, past feeling. But look at verse 20. Here's how you to walk. But ye have no, not so learned Christ... You haven't learned Christ that way. If so be that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the manner of life, your walk, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So you're... Walk, well now, the believer has learnt, not so learned Christ to live and walk as he used to. But the new man is to be put on. You're a new creation. And we're to put, on the, put off the old man, put on the new. That's what the little uh, children sing. Put off the old robe and put on the new. Right? The best thing in my life I ever did do. Remember we had them sing it, I believe, Sunday morning. It, was, it says the old robe was dirty, all tattered and torn. And torn. The new robe is spotless. It had never been worn. Now, the best thing in my life I ever did do was take off the old robe and put on the new. The new is Christ's righteousness that's imputed to us, given to us. And our life will change, too. The new man is put on. You have not so learned Christ. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we're told how to put off this old man and put on the new man. The consistent walk is to remove these things from our lives. And it tells us in verse uh, 24, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
You're to live a holy life, a godly life. And you know, you can't do this unless you walk in love. This will show us how you're to walk in love. And especially chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. But look, let's continue with verse 25, the fourth chapter. Wherefore, put him away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Someone says, I thought anger was sin. Certain kinds of anger are not sin. Righteous indignation, we used to call it. Jesus went in the, into the temple, and the Bible says he was angry. A-N-G-R-Y. Angry. He, he was angered. Did you know it says Jesus was angry? And he took a cat of nine tails, a whip, and he drove out the money changers. And he says, you've made my father's house a house of merchandise, a den of thieves. He says to be a house of prayer, didn't he? By the way, there's a lot of churches merchandising in the church today. They can't sell you a book, they're selling you a movie of some kind or other. And a lot of the movies that are made in Hollywood are not fit for any of us to look at. And by the way, you got this thing that Mel Gibson's in, uh, The Passion of Christ, and he made a remark I read about where he said, Jesus could have just pricked his finger and shed some blood and saved us without going to the other, the other way. But he chose to do it all to give, to give himself totally. That's all as unscriptural as it can be. Don't ever believe that. It was necessary that he die. The lamb was not only uh, shedding blood, but that lamb had to die. And Christ is the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And he wouldn't have saved us without death. He died for our sins, the Bible says. And all that Tommy Rock that comes out of Hollywood, you say, oh, it just makes everybody emotional. They, they were going to show hundreds of pastors how wonderful this film was and how it aroused the passions of people and the emotions of people. Don't go to see junk like that. It can have a big title and a big name and a big star, but most of it's unscriptural. Well, I said my word about it. You can do what you want to. Do what you want to. You probably will anyway. But I'm just telling you that Hollywood doesn't know anything about the Bible. They want to make it where it will look good and sell. I better start doing this now. Let's look at this. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Verse 26. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't go to bed angry at someone. In a home, a husband or a wife never go to bed angry with each other or with the children, the family. You don't want to go to you don't want. You can't get a good night's rest that way. Confess your need for Christ at all times to guide your life. It says, "Neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any foothold. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. What are we to do? Labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth." Not just for your own needs, but for others. Work that you may not only supply what you need, but to help others in their need. Selfishness is one of the greatest sins. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That means that you're not to listen or tell all the dirty and filthy jokes that some of you have heard. I've heard people say, Brother Joyce, I'm going to tell you this joke. It's not bad. It's a little bit, well, off color. Well, if it's a little bit, just keep it to yourself. But God doesn't mean that we shouldn't have laughter. And humor is a good thing. The Bible says that, that it's good like a medicine. A merry heart is like a good medicine. And it is. God intended us to have that part of our lives, as well as the crying and the weeping. And it's good as long as it's clean and right. But some of the filth that goes on to get 
laughter out of people is not right. So it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, if it will build someone up, that's what you want. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. So that's what we're to do is to walk in separation and how we're to give ourselves in love and edification of one another. It says in verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. God's Spirit can be grieved. You know, you can be grieved and I can be grieved. And the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He's grieved at every word or deed or thought that we are wrong about. We grieve the Holy Spirit. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. We can be thankful that we're sealed unto the day of redemption. If you look back in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, In whom ye also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed, look at that, with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, the pledge of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. So here in 4.30 it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. That's the redemption of our body. Christ has already died to redeem us. We have redemption through His blood, but our redemption of our body is yet a future event at Christ's coming. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, To wait, that is to wit, the redemption of our body. When? At Christ's coming. He's going to come back and redeem our bodies. Claim our bodies. He's already claimed them in redemption, but we, He will fulfill that pledge whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. So we're talking about, in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Put all of it away. And he says, and be ye kind one to another. You know what kindness is? It comes from the word kin or kindred. In other words, you like your good kin folks would treat you. <laughs> With kindness. The kin. In other words, brethren. Family we're talking about. Close-knit. And we're a Christian family. And so that's why we're to be kind one to another. We're to follow the same pattern as if we were that, that close of kin. Our kindred that we love. So it says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. Someone says, That old macho guy, he's hard-hearted. Well, that macho guy can be tender-hearted too. And he's more of a man being tender-hearted than he is trying to exhibit how hard and how uh, genuinely uh, macho he is. He's more of a man. You know, uh, David charged Solomon before he died. You know what he said to Solomon in, in his, on his deathbed as he was called him before him? He said, show thyself a man. What's a man? David said, Solomon, I want you to be a man. And keep the charge of the Lord. See? Keeping the charge of the Lord is more manhood than some of the so-called fellows that think they can be a man without even being godly or kind or loving or caring. You see, the both are joined together. Manhood and godliness are joined together. And you can't separate them from a true man. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest in your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, meek and lowly in heart. And yet this same Jesus was much of a man. And He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He, went, he could still the storm. 
He could cast out demons. He could cleanse the temple, and He did. But He was holy. The only begotten Son of God. So we find that these are joined together. We're talking about the consistent walk. So don't profess to be a a Christian and living for the Lord and not be a kind person or a tender-hearted person or even a forgiving person. Look at verse 32. Forgiving one another. Even as God... Look, here's the measure of your forgiveness. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Well, that's a strong measure, isn't it? To measure your forgiveness by. Someone said, I just can't forgive that person. What if Jesus had said, I just can't forgive that sinner. But even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Then I think you'll find it in your heart that you can be forgiving. And by the way, if you're not forgiving your brother, the Lord's not going to forgive you. Did you know that? It's what the Bible says. Say, preacher, is that true? Yeah. It just so happens to be true. Turn back to Matthew's Gospel, if you will. Someone says, oh, I can, I can uh, get forgiveness of God, but I don't have to be uh, forgiving to that fellow because I don't like him and he did me wrong and this and that and the other. <clears throat> In Matthew 6, right after he says, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors, that's verse uh, 12. And verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, look at verse 15. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's pretty plain, isn't it? It means simply that if you can't forgive, you won't be forgiven. If you want to just put it bluntly. That, Jesus put it bluntly. He said, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. You say, well, I just prayed, forgive us our trespasses. But it says, we forgive those that trespass against us. See, there's a condition. There's a condition even in the Lord's Prayer. So let's follow this on down now. Back in Ephesians chapter 5, I want you to notice we're talking about now this section, walk in love. Let's read 5, 1 through 7. It takes us on down through verse 14, but let's read it section at a time. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become of saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. What's this section have to do with? Walk in love, it says in verse 2. Walk in love. It says, Be ye followers of God as dear children. Children are to follow their parents. And if our Heavenly Father, if we're, if we're children of our Heavenly Father, we're to be followers. Imitators. The word means imitators or to duplicate, to impersonate. Some of you have seen on the television these advertise, uh, advertisements where the little boy, I think one of them is the, he sits down but puts his back up against a tree like his dad. His dad sits down with the tree. 
And his dad takes out a cigarette and lights it up, you know. The little boy takes a stick or whatever hand and he imitates what his dad's doing. You say, well, that's his cigarette. Well, so be it. But whatever dads do, children follow. They used to say, a chip off the old block, like father, like son. And that's the way we are. And in some instances, we're real grateful for that, especially if we had good fathers and good mothers to set us an example and to teach us the right way. We should be very grateful for it. We thank God for our parents. And notice it says here, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. The unsaved cannot walk in God's steps. God said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Look at 1 Peter 1, verse 14. 1 Peter 1. Well, let's read verse 13 and 14. Wherefore, <clears throat> gird up the loins of your mind. This is 1 Peter 1, verse 13. <clears throat> Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice that's not the end of the sentence. It says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Not walking like you used to walk, but what? As obedient children. This whole passage is good. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Verse 16 will end the sentence because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. See, sometimes we just pick and choose a passage of Scripture and we stop short of the full lesson. Always wait till you come to the end of the sentence or the statement. And then you'll have the full story. So, getting back to Ephesians 5 and verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Believers are partakers of a divine nature. 2 Peter 1 verse 4. We're changed into His image by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. God has called us unto holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7. 2 Timothy 1, 9 says, Who has saved us and called us, listen, with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own mercy and grace. Who has saved us and called us with a, what kind of calling? Holy calling. We said earlier in one lesson, we have a, a holy calling and a heavenly calling. And a high calling. A high calling, a holy calling, and a heavenly calling. So we're to walk in love. Because His Holy Spirit has shed His love in our hearts. Romans 5 verse 5. says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to you. We are known as His disciples by love. Jesus says, By this, what Jesus? Shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Well, you take a church that's all disturbed and talking about one another, not manifesting love. The fellow on the outside, when he sees that, he says, you know, I don't care about those folks. They don't love one another. They don't care about one another. And what kind of impression do you think it leaves to the general public? But if they see, uh, Brother Reap said the other night when he's talking about after we had our fellowship downstairs, and had, uh, he says, I can tell this is a very close-knit church that all the people love one another. See, people can tell it. They can detect that. They can detect that when the way we deal with each other, the way we care for each other. And there's not this jealousy. Did you know jealousy among men, deacons, preachers, is carnality? I can prove that. Did you know that's carnal? That's walking as men? You turn back to Corinthians, that Paul says you walk as men. 
Are you not therefore carnal? One says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. He says, you walk as men, are you not yet carnal? You're still babes in Christ, you haven't even grown up. When we can't let others have the a part and participate in the things of God, the service of God, that's carnality. We're not that kind of a church. I thank God for Brother Rich filling in when I was gone. And I thank God for all the brethren that participated in all the help they, they gave in every form and fashion. Because I know they did it because they wanted unity and they still love one another and they want God's work to go on wherever we are. And it will. And none of us are expendable. None of us are not expendable. So you can put it both ways. Everyone's needed and yet everyone is not necessary always. So when we see the work of God going on in spite of... You know, I had someone comment on me said, the church is just carrying on and doing fine. I said, that's great. There are not many churches can say that. Do you know that? There are not many churches can say that. And you just look around and find them when things fall apart. Because they do. Because they're looking to, to man instead of God. If you consider it God's work, you stick by the, stay by the stuff, true to the Scriptures, preach the Word. I had a fellow tell me when I was ordained some nearly 50 years ago, or maybe 50 now, I don't know. I've lost track of time. But anyway, about 50 years ago, he said, Brother Joyce, if you preach the Word, somebody will come to hear it. He said, I'll guarantee you somebody will come to hear it. And there may not be hundreds and thousands, but somebody wants to hear it. So he says, stick to it. And uh, it was pretty good advice, I thought. So, we're to walk in love. His Holy Spirit has shed His love abroad in our hearts. He says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another, the true believer is to imitate God in love. And God is love. He says, he that loveth not knoweth not God. And listen. He says in the first of John, I believe it's chapter 3, maybe verse 14. I have two or three references down here. But... He says, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. It's an evidence of your spiritual life and that you're a born-again child of God. And he that loveth not his brother is not one that is alive in God. The consistent walk we're talking about. And if you have Ephesians 5 again, let's look at the next section. At verse 8 through 14 quickly. 8 through 14. It says... For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So that the consistent walk is to walk in the light. The consistent walk is in the light. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable in the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. If you walk in the light, you're not going to have fellowship with the works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So the consistent walk is in the light. You were once in darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. You know there are two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Kingdom of Satan, kingdom of God. Satan's kingdom is the kingdom of darkness. Kingdom of the Lord is the kingdom of light. And the Bible tells us that we are delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. I believe that's Colossians 1.13. Let's look. Philippians, Colossians, 
Colossians is somewhere about. Yeah, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. The word His dear Son means the Son of His love. His only begotten, His dearly beloved Son. And we're delivered from that kingdom of Satan and darkness. The unsaved are under the dominion of, of and the power of Satan. In verse chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Now look, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is where Satan's kingdom, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And the Bible tells us that we're to walk in the light, as he is in the light. The fellow in darkness... The unsaved person cannot know spiritual light and spiritual things until the Holy Spirit opens his heart to receive spiritual things. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, I believe it is. It says, But the natural man, listen, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. He cannot know them. He's still unsaved and still in darkness. He's still in Satan's kingdom. The natural man. The man before he's saved. Before he has a new nature. And you know, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. He not only said, I am the light of the world in John's gospel, but in Matthew, he said, ye are the light of the world. And he said, let your light so shine. He says, let. We sing the song, let it shine. Let your light so shine. Not make it shine and call others' attention. Say, look, look at my life, how it shines. That's not it. If it's in you, it'll shine out, but it has to be in you. You know that old kerosene lamp we used to have, which I studied by? And I, You know, we didn't have electricity in our house right up here on Carriza Canyon until after I got out of the Navy in World War II, the old kerosene lamps. And when I got out of the Navy, we had some of those little hanging down uh, on two wires. I mean, the house was wired. Talk about, Brother John, talk about the house being wired. There were two little lines walked across the ceiling like this. There's above here and one in the next room. That's it. No refrigerator, no nothing else, but you had two lights. Thank God for the two lights. And you know where Slosky's is up there? The other end of town? Right down under the hill there, there was an old power plant. First one that's ever put in there. And old Bill Hart put it in and he stretched two wires along the trees and posts where he had to put a post all the way across town and here and there. And those little old insulators are just a little white insulator with a nail in the middle. And you put the wire on each side and drive it into the tree. And that was wiring. That was your big wiring coming from the power plant. And anyway, to make a long story short, you could hear that old, you could hear that old plant going. The big old, I don't know what kind of engine, probably a diesel or something. But you could hear it sound like an old John Deere tractor. But it echoed all the way down. You could hear it down in the Skyland area. You know, down below, uh, well, you know where Pizza Hut, down in that area, up Carissa Canyon. You could hear that thing as it was banging and going up there by Slosky's, down under the hill, right on the river. That was our first power plant.